When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Light the Tower, your daily look around the world of sports with Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way. And Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe. On your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, the Horn. Thursday morning to you. Hope it's going well for you. And welcome to a new daily edition here of Life the Tower on the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. My name is Craig Way. Glad to have you with us. Jeff Howell out on vacation, as we know, throughout the course of this week, dealing with Disney World. Haven't heard anything further other than he survived the It's a Small World uh, ride with uh, wife Tamara and daughter Charlotte. So that's good, and hopefully uh, he's uh, been able to make it uh, through and is still making it through his time at Disney World uh, unscathed. That's good. Uh, he'll be back next week. I'll be out uh, after that uh, for the next couple of weeks after, after this week, the annual sabbatical, as I call it. But plenty to discuss today and tomorrow, and as has quite often the case uh, been, we've been really fortunate when we get to this vacation time of year, it, it's, it's almost kind of like we win the lottery on availability uh, of, of a person or two. First of all, my producer, Cameron Parker, is here as he customarily is. How you doing this morning, Cam? Craig, it's uh, as some Spurs fans are celebrating, Wemby Day. <laughs> it's Wemby Day, isn't it? NBA draft tonight. And so uh, the Spurs, of course, are going to select Victor Wembyana. Uh, and uh, yeah, let the celebration begin right that. What, they've got a big watching party going on uh, oh, I'm sure. at, at AT&T Center tonight, I believe. Yeah, and as one NBA writer put it, uh, the only pick that is not on the trade table is the first pick. Picks number two through 58 could be traded. So it should be a very exciting NBA draft night. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Nobody's trading for number one. That's that's going to happen. Uh, but as I mentioned, uh, we, we sometimes uh, we uh, draw the long straw, not the short straw, when we can have availability. Uh, and uh, we've been fortunate with that uh, every year to uh, call upon the expertise, the wit, the wisdom of our good friend, uh, our baseball insider who has more than 40 years of skins in the game. And best of all, he's a native Texan and a native Central Texan. Uh, he's our good friend Gene Watson, who graciously, because he was in town, uh, agreed to uh, pop in this morning. It's it's uh, good to see you. How are you? Good morning, guys. How are you? Um, you know, I thought about you last night because the way that your schedule was structured originally, if I'm and and for folks who said what is the schedule and in your duties of uh, scouting and uh, director of pro scouting uh, for the Kansas City Royals, you you travel the country quite a bit. For folks who don't know it, you you put my travel schedule to shame with That's what not you, true. You know, <laughs> with what you do. you are a very very busy dude. Now correct me if I'm wrong. Weren't you originally scheduled to be out of town? And then it got switched over to where it was like you were needed in Round Rock to see what was going on? Yes. I was originally on a 6 a.m. to Miami Monday. And uh-huh. when I woke up at 3.30 to, you know, pack all uh-huh. the things we do to go to the airport, I had a little text that said, we need you in Round Rock, which we don't live here anymore. So I'm like rolling through my head of all the things I get to do in four days. And so it's been 
very surreal to be staying in a hotel in Georgetown when you lived there for 23 years, but um, it's been great to see friends. It's been wonderful. It's great to be here. Um, I'm going to hit every restaurant I can while I'm here. So, yes. You know, we've been gone about three months, so it's 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 a very surreal feeling. You and uh, your, your wonderful wife, uh, Melanie, just recently moved down toward the greater Houston, down to Montgomery Yeah, area. Montgomery, yep. Yeah, and moved down that way. She wanted to be closer to grandkids. Grandbabies. Yeah, you you yeah. can stay. I'm going. Yeah, That's yeah, what yeah. I got. You can choose to join me <laughs> or not. That's right. But I'm going to go down that's there. That's exactly so, right. All right. So, that, so that's good. Um, and, uh, and you were not of the name dropping variety, but I will drop it for you because I ain't happen to know for a fact you were having breakfast with, uh, one Nolan Ryan yesterday. Yeah. 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 That, that's one of the big things I miss is sitting with him at the monument and talking baseball and, and his grandson Jackson was our intern for the last three years now back with the Round Rock Express and Jackson was there and we love giving him a hard time on who's going to pay the bill because Jackson never reaches for his wallet, but it's, it's, it's like my son, who, by the way, Jackson and him were born, I think, three weeks apart. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, so <laughs> well, like, that's good to know. It's just great to like talk baseball and get that perspective, and you know, to talk about the young pitchers and what I see in the young pitchers, what he sees, and talk about each team. And it's it's a brilliant baseball mind, baseball mind, obviously, and it's such an honor for me to. To be able to do things like that, uh, we're going to talk a lot of baseball, but we're going to talk a lot of other uh, some other things as well. Because as you mentioned, as as we mentioned, Gene is a well traveled person, so he's uh, he's got uh, takes on a variety of things, and we'll, and we'll get to that. But I, I want to go back just for a moment while I have it fresh in my mind uh, to Nolan Ryan, because uh, in addition to this massive Hall of Fame career he compiled as a pitcher and and. Uh, I'll, I'll never forget being at Old Arlington Stadium the night of May first, nineteen ninety one. We were there. celebrating yep. my birth, my my friend Alex's thirtieth birthday, and we're there the night of the seven no hitter. And I'm sitting out. We're just sitting out with friends out in those bleachers out there, broiling in left field. And I just happened to take my old cassette tape recorder with me because Brad Sham, my boss at the time, said I can't be there. Uh, to record the Daily Ranger report with Bobby Valentine. I can't be there uh, for the next day. Can you? Would you mind doing it after you cover the locker room after all Ranger games? That's how you and I met originally. Right, that's on right. back. So I said, "You're," and I and I took it with me to the ballpark, and I had it sitting under the bleachers. What well, gets to the seventh inning? He's got this no hitter going. I said, "You know what? I got to position myself down there." So after six innings, I moved around and found the spot where a lot of the media would do back in the day, down sitting three, four rows from the field and watch the last three innings of that between home plate and uh, the Ranger dugout on the first base side and it was something else to do that and and, uh, and went in and, and, and recorded the, you know, interviews with him and all that. But in addition to the, those things, um, he was such an icon in so many places. I mean, the Mets have him to thank for being a, a – a, and a contributing piece to their Miracle Mets 69 championship. Uh, he had a brilliant run with the Angels, including uh, a couple of his no-hitters uh, in uh, in one season in 1973. He had a great run there. Then he goes to the Astros and has a great run with there as they, as they win the division in 80 and 86 and pitches his fifth no-hitter in 81. Then he goes back to Arlington. He pitches two more no hitters and becomes, at the time, and uh, and uh, is the all time career strikeout leader at over five thousand seven hundred. And he's got that. Um, then he goes in into baseball ownership with uh, with Ryan Sanders and the Round Rock Express and the Corpus Christi Hooks and all that was going on. Then he was working for the Rangers, and then management comes in. Then he's working with the Astros, and they have management uh, an ownership change stuff and uh, it. it it's just like it seems to me like Nolan, because he's so respected and revered, just kind of rolls through life, and somebody is always going to be in demand of his advice and his counsel. Yeah, I was with Ruth last night during the rain delay, and she's telling me about the first time they went to Tokyo, Japan, and just the the swarm of media. But that night, May first, ninety one, I was I was ending my college career, and. I'm calling our apartment, my roommates, in the fifth inning. Gene hey, was a pitcher at UTA, for those who didn't know. Right, and, and and I've got these four tickets. Y'all need to come. No, no, no. And now he gets to the eighth, and they want to come. And I'm like, there's no way. You're not You're not getting these ticket stuffs. <laughs> but that, that was such a surreal night because on a normal start, like Noli would come up and stretch in between innings, and he had a big cup of ice on top of what is an igloo water cooler. And mm-hmm. 
on a normal night, the, in, the, the, the intensity was. But as that night got to the 5th, the 6th, the 7th, I mean, we went down in the dugout after the 5th just to watch the rest of it. And I was in the dugout when the last out was made. Um, I've never seen anything like it. I mean, I've, I've been to four World Series. I've never seen anything like that clubhouse, and you were there. After that game, it Absolutely. was it was unbelievable. It was unbelievable, and the star power in that room at the time that nobody knew about, yes. all the stars that were in that room, it was crazy. Yeah, yeah, um, it, it was uh, it, it it was amazing. It was it was uh, quite the night on that, and um, you know you would you would talked about uh, what it meant to uh, be around him and around that thing, but just even at the time back then with the Rangers trying to establish more of a foothold with with uh, Bobby Valentine and Tom Grieve as the general manager and uh, you know before what was then the ballpark in Arlington now we know it is Choctaw Stadium was built and of course now uh, now there's Globe Life Field and all that with with what they were doing and the way that he could legitimize franchises was was did it with the Mets did it with the Angels did it, did it with the Astros the way he could the way he could put his stamp on it in his own subtle way. And, and here's the thing. I know this will probably uh, come fresh to your mind. I covered six straight Ranger spring trainings in Port Charlotte from 1988 through 93. And Nolan, of course, came over the, the winter meetings, 89, the trade. I was there for that. I remember that in, the, uh, in 1989. I remember Rafael Palmeiro coming over, Julio Franco. What, a, what an incredibly eventful winter meetings that was in Atlanta. Every time I turned around, the Rangers were having a, a news mm-hmm. conference or something. And uh, and and I remember once Nolan got with the Rangers and he had his routine, kind of like what you said. We go through his routine, and he would do his stretching, do his bike, do that sort of stuff. Come out, and if he get his work in, but what he would do is he would get his work in. Then after it's over, he would sit. He put one little folding chair down under one the shade of one tiny little sapling tree for one hour and sign autographs. Every day, and the line was just, and he would do it. And he would take the time. He'd sit down there in the heat, and and get everybody taken care of. Then he would go in and get on his bike and do his do his routine. He was probably the most creature of habit athlete I've ever come across. Well, when you say sign autographs, the the practical joker in Nolan Ryan comes up because he played a big time joke on me one time. Did he really? And it is a really long story. I don't think we'll be able, but it he had a practical joke side to him when he wasn't pitching. Really, and it was. Oh yeah, he's a big practical joker, but. What a special time. I mean, G.W. Bush was our owner, mm-hmm. and I slept in the food room. I, I lived in the stadium my first year, and and Secret Service would come in because his dad was the president and wake me up, and G.W. would be jogging and working out. And you had Bobby Valentine, arguably one of the brightest minds in our game's history, managing the team. And then you go around the room, Julio Franco, Juan Gonzalez, Ruben Sierra, Jose Canseco, Pudge Rodriguez, Rafael Palmero, Nolan Ryan, Goose Gossage. It was a rock and roll show every day. And and looking back, I don't know how they never won. Yeah. It's unbelievable that they never won. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing to consider that. So we're talking some baseball, but uh, some other things also with Gene Watson. Hey, uh, uh, just to remind you that we are giving away uh, a, a copy on the show. I mentioned this yesterday. We started doing it yesterday when Greg Tepper, the uh, managing editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine, was on with us. So... Uh, Tep was on with us yesterday, and we started uh, our giveaway, our annual giveaway. We give away one copy of the brand-new 2023 Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine. Uh, we give away one copy of that on this show sometime between 10 a.m. and noon uh, when we're on the air every day. And then starting Monday, I did tell you yesterday, details were coming on this, starting Monday will be your opportunity to win a copy online. So if you don't win a copy on the show – at any time, all the way up to August 25th, we're giving them away one copy a day on the show, all the way up to August 25th. And if you if you don't uh, win a copy on the air, you can certainly uh, win a copy online at hornfm.com. So we'll be giving those away. Uh, coming up, we'll give up away, away another copy of that. Our Specs text line is open as it always is at 512-337-3776, 512-337-3776. Somebody, uh, our friend Stoner on the Specs text line, says, uh, Gino, that Nolan also never stopped adding to his game. The circle change itself kept him at the top of the pitcher hierarchy a few extra years. And then, and then to what our point was, he said, the Rangers in that time, no wild card, no expanded playoffs, Really hurt because you only had the winner of the East and the winner of the West 
until the strike happened in 94, and then after that they came back with the three-division concept, which was one of the things I think that really helped the game coming out of the work stoppage of 94. Imagine having Kevin Brown, Bobby Witt, and Nolan Ryan in a five-game series. What it could have been. Just in the play, just in what it it could have been. And Goose Gossage and Tom Hinkie closing out games, which Hinky closed out back-to-back World Series. Yes, he did. Um, it, it was such a shame that that team never won. Yeah. And, and the, you know, look at the – I mean, Jeff Houston's doing TV for the Rockies. Scott Champarino's an agent. Bobby Valentine's still doing his thing. Nolan's been – I mean, that just what the guys are all doing still in the game. Steve Bouchelle does pre and post for the Rangers. I mean, that group of players – have gone on to to accomplish a lot of great things in their lives and in the profession. So, yeah, a special time. I think a book should be written about it. I yeah. think you should write it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't have enough going on as it is. You know that 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 sort of stuff. Uh, but you know, it was it, when in '94 you were with the Braves at the time. Is that right? No, '94. Okay. I I I just started with the Astros part time. I had the Central Texas corridor. Okay, but you were a big part of the '95 Braves. No, I didn't get to the Braves. I was actually with the Padres before the Braves. That's right, Padres. Padres right. ninety eight went to the Braves yes. in two thousand. Okay, uh, tell folks exactly what that was like for for you, for the organization as well as what the players had to go through that strike in ninety four. Because a lot of people turned away from baseball, and some have never returned. Some have said, "I'm never going back again." After that work stoppage, it took the home run race. We know what fueled that uh, eventually, but it took the three division concept, the wild card in baseball. It took a lot of things to start to try to bring the game uh, back to popularity as well. But it started August 8th of 94 Mm -hmm. with the strike, and he had the Montreal Expos in first place in the East with uh, Randy Johnson. What a shame. That team, uh, arguably one of the best in the history of the game. Pedro Martinez, Randy Johnson. Kevin Walker. uh, Larry Walker. Larry Walker. uh, Mike Lansing. um, Andres Galarraga. They had an eight-game lead on the Braves in the East. Moises Alou. It was unbelievable. And one of my scouts was on that team, Mitch Webster. Wow. Um, but, you know, I, I think back to that, and that was such an early time in my career. To me, the pandemic and this mm-hmm. last CBA were more difficult because you think back to that time, the issues weren't as, and you're, you know, you're not, you're, historically speaking, you're not, you know, 100 years out of Kurt Flug and, right. and Messerschmitt and McNally and free agency. That's early 70s. Yeah. Right. You're not, you know, you're not 100 years out of that. But as as time has moved on, the CBA has become more complicated because it's about protecting the future. And mm-hmm. every player, every generation has done something to protect the future. I thought the pandemic and, and the CBA that we just went through was way more difficult than the 94 strike. I think that 94 strike kind of set the tone for the union moving forward as being very, very – the most powerful players' union in the world. All right, so since you brought up the deal about how difficult the pandemic was, I bring this up because you know the Dodger fan in me. Uh, I, I get people that give me grief from time to time. Say, ah, the Dodgers won a truncated championship when they went 43-17 and 17 in 2020. Ah, they won a real title and all that. I heard a lot of learned baseball people say that them winning that World Series in 2020 was every bit as difficult, if not more difficult, than than other teams because of what everybody was going through with the pandemic. And for them to hold it together and win 43 of 60 games and then and then go all the way through and win the World Series, where did, where did you evaluate them? If there's a season, I don't care if it's 10 games, 50, 162, and you're holding the trophy up at the end, it's – You earned it. You earned it. Yeah. And And what really is hard about that time is – I know what I was going through with my family and my 14 scouts and their families, and we weren't even playing games. Just that day-to-day stress of managing and and the mental health side. And, uh, you know, guys are away from their families and they can't, you know, go to a restaurant. And it it was amazing. And to be able to, what those players did, it it doesn't matter. This was the season, and they won the championship. And it it should not be – minimized in any form or fashion uh we're gonna we're gonna talk more about the current state uh of things i'm gonna ask you about some players uh and 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 we'll do that but we've got some other things that we'll we'll get to as well uh and um so uh gene watson is with us during this portion of the program uh somebody uh pointing out that if not for the strike now this is their opinion of it it's our good friend john in the bay if not for the strike Mac, Matt Williams makes a serious run at Roger Maris's home run record in 1994. When you think about that, yeah, that's true. That's true. 
Matt Williams is one of the more underrated players in our game's history. I mean, that, that guy could really hit. When we were talking about Nolan Ryan, somebody said I was at the game when uh, Robin Ventura charged the mound. I was 13 years old. It was a very special, surreal moment for me. Correct me if I'm not remembering this accurately, but Nolan continued pitching after Did not the get Fracas, ejected, right? Did not get ejected. <laughs> Put the knuckle sandwich on uh, on Ventura. Robin, by the way, and you know Robin Ventura well. He's he's actually handled it with a lot of aplomb and, and humor over the years and that sort of stuff. And now he's a full-time assistant at Oklahoma State. So they had hit Dean Palmer late in the year. I don't know if you've heard this story. They had hit Dean Palmer late in the year earlier, uh, late in the year, the prior season. And it ended Dean's So it was carryover. It was carryover. And everybody knew it was Everybody knew it was coming. And the, the myth is that the White Sox had a team meeting and said, if you get drilled, charge you got to come out or you get fined and if you watch noli now this is all conspiracy theory yeah right it the, the word on the streets is that he knew and that if you watch robin when he steps back noli kind of goes to him and says get out here you know <laughs> bring, that, it. <laughs> bring it but that was chaos and and uh you know we had a few dust-ups we had the one with the white Sox prior to that where where Bo had you know one of our coaches in a headlock and then we had one in seattle where Dan Wilson and I forget who the player was, um, had had a, had a dust up and Noli was actually up in the clubhouse working out and came out late and everybody's like, you know, I think one of the umpires said, "What are you doing out here?" He goes, "I'm just looking for wallets," you know, something like that. <laughs> I mean, serious practical joker. People have no idea. So. Um, our man CB, who lives out in the Pacific Northwest, CB. By the way, I got a special item just for you coming up on Inconceivable later this hour. Uh, says Tony Gwynn was going to hit 400 in 94. The the immortal uh, Tony Gwynn, you were with San Diego when won the pennant 98. You ever seen a better hitter in your life? No. Well, this Arise guy in Miami is – Yeah. I don't know why young hitters aren't looking at this guy and saying that's – forget the launch angle stuff, forget the power yeah. out. That's what I want to be because – Exit velo, forget all This guy's going to push 400. He's going to push it. And Tony – taught me and, and one of my favorite people in the world but he taught me the foundation of how to teach power is going to come later uh ichiro you know he could have hit 50 he wanted to hit for average uh it's all about your approach and your mindset at the plate but tony taught me about you know look inside stay inside use the whole field hit for a high average and then whatever your lineup is as you move forward in your career it will dictate your core strength you try to hit for power so that he taught me so much about hitting that I wish a lot of it would come back, and if Arise wins another batting title, I think some of it could. Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll get to uh, more of uh, your questions uh, coming up on the Specs text line at 337-3776. Also, we do have Inconceivable coming up this hour. Uh, we'll uh, uh, we'll bring you a Longhorn Notebook. Also, additionally, in addition to the Longhorn Notebook, we'll have a Flex 30 update next hour as well. It's a special summertime Thursday edition. We've got Gene Watson with us in studio here on Light the Tower on the Horn 1049, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Light the tower. This is like the Tower on the Horn. Cameron Parker still enamored with Led Zeppelin. So. Always. Still hitting us with a little lead here. Uh, and uh, glad to have you with us and certainly very happy to have our good friend Gene Watson, our baseball insider, joining us as well. And um, before we get back to talk to uh, the Specs text line and some more questions, uh, it is time for our 
first hour Longhorn Notebook. Longhorn Notebook. Okay, uh, many of you have asked about this, and I'm curious to get Gene's thoughts on this too. Uh, what with the transfer portal happening in college baseball and, and Gene's very close to the college game uh, as well. Uh, and Gene himself, a guy who transferred while in college. We were talking about how you started your collegiate career right here in town at St. Ed's and then moved up from the D2 level on up to uh, – uh, to pitching at UT Arlington. So you know what that whole thing is like. And, of course, back in those days, the portal didn't exist. So it was a little bit different for you as a transfer. I was in the portal before the portal was cool. <laughs> yes, you were portaling before <laughs> it was My mom portal. thought I was nuts when I said, Mom, I'm transferring. She's like, what? <laughs> uh, so uh, the Longhorns, of course, uh, and, and we've told folks, they've asked us to update us, update them on the on the Longhorns with the transfer portal and uh, Mitchell Daly into the portal and uh, DJ Burke into the uh, portal and uh, uh, Pierce George into the portal. Uh, those guys all into the transfer portal as well. And uh, the guys that the Longhorns are have accrued through the portal, they're to come into Texas. Uh, Notre Dame's left-hander, Will Mercer, uh, Will Rigney from Baylor, the right-hander coming in, and they picked up another lefty uh, yesterday, uh, Oliver Santos, who uh, a left-hander from Duke announced yesterday he's going to transfer to Texas as well. So uh, it's the the work continues uh, in the portal for that. And in this day and age, Gene, it's we've talked about this dynamic. Um, baseball is so unique. Uh, when it comes to the draft, and we're just around the corner from the draft, July 9th through the 11th, that's one of the busiest times of the year for you in the run-up to and preparation of the draft for the draft, that uh, you're dealing with uh, a multifaceted approach. You're dealing with uh, you're dealing with graduating seniors from college whose eligibility is exhausted, whether they're four-year seniors, five-year seniors, or in some case still with that COVID year that they got tagged on at the end, six years Seniors, unless you were DJ Petrinsky, and he got seven years counting his time at Hill College, <laughs> that but six year seniors. Uh, then you have the four year, se- five year seniors, four year seniors. Then you have draft eligible juniors and draft eligible sophomores. Uh, and is it still, I remember at one time, I could be way off base, wasn't the rule at one time if you were within, I want to say something like 45 days of your 21st birthday? Yes. yes. Is that still, still the exists. rule? Yes. Okay. All right. So that, and then you have, young men coming out of high school and uh and and your job and that of your staff obviously is the evaluation of all of that talent a uh b where are they a good fit for your organization not just ultimately down the road if they get to the big league club but the organization and c and this is a you've told me this is a big piece of it signability with guys 100 percent. and the 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 biggest thing about what the portal has done is the amateur system in the United States of America is, I think, mean, 2% of all high school players play Division One baseball. And you've got an amateur system where from the age of, my gosh, eight now, I had one of the first 15, 16 select teams that Raphael Palmero, Kenny Rogers, and Bobby Witt helped me get started. Syntex Mavericks, there ought to be a movie about this team. <laughs> um, but it's so expensive to play and to just get a piece of 11.7 that now you go to a school and you're not getting the opportunity to play, it, it's, a, it's a gamble. It's your career on the line. It takes a lot of guts to enter that portal and now go to another place, and you don't know if you're going to get that opportunity. So there's a lot of – once you enter, there has to be a lot of communication. But, but kids want to play, and kids, um, you know, they, they have to be comfortable where they're playing. The academic side of it is a lot bigger deal than – I think the players really examine going into it. Like, you're on the baseball field, but you're also in the classroom, and what is that dynamic? What is that environment like? But we have hired Terry Wetzel um, to oversee all of our independent league scouting because I truly believe there are going to be big league players, and we've done this in the last two years, that go to a Texas, it doesn't work out. They go to a Texas Arlington, it doesn't work out. And they're they're sitting in an eight to five job, and now Cleburne needs a first baseman, and they go the independent route, and they actually had some ability. Wow! And and I truly believe that in the next three to five years, you're going to see where independent league baseball becomes that valuable because all those kids in the portal, some of them can play, and some of them are going to fall through the cracks. And I've hired one of the best evaluators in the game to be there when that happens. So. How? Uh, what, what have you seen more of? When you hear about guys in the portal, is it 
most of them about playing time or is it about getting more of a percentage of scholarship money? Because that's that delicate balance. And not only David Pierce, but every Division One coach has to deal with that 11.7 number and how you divvy that up between guys getting 40% or 60% or whatever. You've got to find a way to make use of all of that scholarship money and then try to keep a player, and this is a big part of it, and I know you know this, their family happy about the number that that they have to offer them. Yeah, well, just on the baseball side, and, and what they don't realize is like, okay, you're going to come in and you're going to compete for a position, and you may or not, may or not win that position, but guess what? There's a guy behind you at Sugarland High School that, that's just as good that's coming the next year. And so I don't think you can if – you, if you really think you can play, I don't think you can ever run away from competition in this game. Um, now, the football side of it, I, I've, I've got many friends that – um, that are football ops directors and, mm-hmm. and families in the recruiting. They don't even ask about what the degree is, what it's, how much NIL money, and you know, after three years, not four, because they're going to the NFL. Right. So it, the NIL and the portal have just completely changed the dynamic of college athletics, in my opinion, and the concept of team, and also the concept of grinding and fighting and persevering through adversity. Because, well, if it doesn't work out here, I'll just go there. I told you before we came out there, I transferred because I came up with a change-up, and UTA's catcher said, hey, you need to transfer to us. And I said, okay, well, I did. I did. So everybody's got their reasons, but the portal and the NIL money have really, really changed the dynamic of college athletics. So, yeah, uh, because you're now also seeing head coaches, even though they have executive staffs, obviously, have directors of personnel and ops directors and things like that, still it rolls downhill to the head coach to decide – and this has become the real key word, I think, in college baseball with the advent of the portal, roster management. Roster management, that's and, it. And how, and how you're doing it with the scholarship money, with playing time, and all, all of that stuff kind of rolls into it, I think. And whoever is, I can't wait to see the uh, return on whoever it is doing the evaluating. Uh-huh. I mean, that that's a big deal. That guy better be really, really good at evaluating players and knowing that, for instance, a kid – that's been in South Bend, Indiana for a year, that's now coming to Austin, mm-hmm. there's a big difference between South Bend, Indiana and Austin. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I grew up in South Bend going or to in Notre the, Dame Or games. in this young man's case, four years that's in right. South Bend, Indiana, that's right. coming to Austin. So it, it, th- those, are, those are intangible dynamics that are really, really interesting. And, and, um, but I will say David Pierce and his staff do an amazing job at it. So, uh, This was something else you and I talked about. This was a few years back now. Was it – Four years ago or two years? I'm trying to remember when Major League Baseball contracted the the minor league system down by, what, some 40 teams? They eliminated mm-hmm. 42 teams, something like that, 42. I'm trying to remember. Was that 2019? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. At the time, I remember visiting with you about this. Uh, you did not agree with it. You thought that it would it, – it, because it was – it was uh, – you, you mentioned limiting – it, 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 it puts more of a limit on the development of guys at that rookie ball and low A ball level. Now, there is still single A. Don't even call it low A anymore. Single A ball and then high A is is how, for folks who don't know, but there are fewer of those clubs. Some clubs moved up. Some clubs moved down. Some clubs got left by the wayside, and especially the rookie league clubs uh, got, got contracted all that. And you said it's going to affect that part of the game. It's going to affect – College baseball at the Division One level, Division Two level, and it's going to affect junior college level. Texas, as you know, one of the best JUCO uh, states in the country, uh, one of the best in the country for junior college baseball, and it's all going to be affected by this because there's going to be a backlog. Have you seen some of that out the other side now, uh, some four years later? A hundred percent. And the bigger thing is, like, look at Derek Jeter, look at – um, Nolan Ryan, look at uh, Fred McGriff. Look at their numbers their first couple of years in pro ball. Now they'd be releases because you've cut the rounds. You only have so many years of that kid entering pro ball to uh, to perform. And some of these guys are high ceiling, high projection. It's going to take a lot of development. And sometimes there's not enough time for it. And so you've really hurt that player. The, the, the real area that you've hurt is like, and I'm just going to throw out some names. Uh, Rob Johnson, who has a facility here in Austin, Michael Harge, Ryan Langerhands, Ryan Goins, um, 
Brandon Puffer, Sean Gallagher, all these guys in Austin that were ex-professionals that are now coming back and pouring. By the in. way, the Mike Hards you talked about, yeah, that's the same guy. Yeah. It's on uh, it's on Baldo. I got my stories on him too. I love that boy. He's <laughs> the best. That's my guy. But but um, you know, now those guys coming back and pouring into a community and growing the game and 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 bringing up the next now you're eliminating those guys. My son played 7 years of pro ball. He might not even get drafted in this system. And if he did, it's one or two years of pro ball and out and I think that that the lifeblood of the game and growing the game and protecting the game has all been lost with the cutting of rounds and teams. Um, the 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 uh, phenomenon of a Bryce Harper who jumps to JUCO and then straight to the, the those those cases are few and far between. Aren't That's they? right. Those yeah. are the one percenters, and and you can build your game on that, but you got to have your filler players too. You got to have your complementary players, your extra players. You got to have those guys too to to build out you know twenty six man rosters. Okay, so you've sat in these meetings, these organizational meetings, uh, and how difficult a grind is it between uh, say a general manager of a team and the assistant GMs and the directors of scouting and uh, farm people to talk about how patient you need to be with a guy because now you have uh, a, a more crowded room to work with to get these guys and maybe a shorter amount of time to ramp them up through the minor league system. How difficult are those conversations now as opposed to, say, five, six years ago? Risk risk versus ceiling, and is the juice worth the squeeze? And the bigger dynamic that nobody thinks about is you also have the Latin American player in the academy and bringing those players over and blending them into your organization and your American players, and that's where it really gets – crazy because it's completely two distance two two different systems they don't have a select system that they they can agree at 12 and sign at 16 so it's a completely different but now you're blending the two and you've got to make decisions on these guys you can only have 180 on your minor league active roster and that may be 150 in the next couple of years and so these decisions have come um they're getting harder and harder and then you look at guys like ben joyce and the Neto kid in L.A., they're in the big leagues one year after the draft. Yeah. And, and Gavin Williams two years after the draft. And so it's it's burning the candle at both ends, and those decisions are always very, very hard for an organization. I'm trying to imagine you, like, thriving in Venezuela. Oh, Because I, I know I, you spent time oh, down there and in, in, in Central I'm going to the Dominican America. Sunday. I'm going you, to the Dominican Republic Sunday. On Sunday? But Venezuela, uh, one of the most beautiful places in the world. Um, the players are unbelievable. The passion of the fan is unbelievable. Um but it's scary. It's no joke down there. Yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to imagine you, <laughs> you know, uh, being down there for a month or so or whatever, you know, evaluating players and eating in the local establishments and and uh, and just kind of assimilating the culture, so to speak. Yeah, I thought I was going to die in a bathroom in Port Aldaz in 2000 because <laughs> I was so sick and it was it was no fun. But we won't go there. Uh, okay. All right. Um, what we are going to do, and by the way, and we're, we'll get to uh, we'll uh, we'll get to some of this, and, and I could have uh, certainly tossed this in in our Longhorn notebook. Our man CB on the Specs text line says, "Congratulations, David Hamilton." For folks who don't know, the former Longhorn shortstop was called up by the Red Sox, got in the ball game last night as a pinch runner and scored, stole a base, stole second base, and then scored for the Red Sox. Scored the tying run. They ended up losing an extra innings to the Twins last night. Um, and uh, it was good to see David Hamilton, another guy, uh, product coming through there, and, and local kid from San Marcos. Coming and his there. dad, senior, is a friend of mine. His his dad was actually roommates with my childhood best friend Darwin Penny, who runs our Urban Youth Academy in Kansas City and and scouts all the HBCUs and the independent leagues. This kid had an Achilles injury that nobody even knew he was going to play again. Yeah. Then he went during the pandemic and played in the in the uh, the quad in yes. Sugarland. I mean, this is a testimony of perseverance, and I'm so happy for him. What what a great family, great kid, and perseverance pays off. Never ran away from competition, not one day. Yeah, you've always liked those stories, and I know you've got a million of them, of guys who, against the odds, and you just kind of described it a little bit with, with D. Ham, but guys, against the odds, 
work their way up through the system, had to overcome, had to get through Tommy John surgery, had to overcome an injury, had to, had to overcome being released a, a time or two and, and, and start at the beginning and go back up through. And then, and, and, it, and it's kind of a testament to their perseverance. It's makeup. And that, that to me is the biggest thing with players. You got five tools, but the makeup is everything of a player because if you're trying to get to the end game and it's a miracle to play at the major league level, I mean, you have a 40-time greater chance of graduating from Harvard than playing a day in the big leagues. And uh, the the makeup, and Ryan Ludwig, who's a hitting coach with the Cardinals, lives in Georgetown. I mean, a prospect, injury after injury after injury, signs with the Cardinals, goes back to the minor leagues and works his way up to being a major league all-star. I mean, those are the stories that make this game so great. Chris Taylor sitting in Seattle struggling, goes to L.A. Justin Turner sitting in New York, gets DFA'd. Goes to, I mean, these are the stories where you find out the true makeup of a player. And, and I tell parents all the time, if you don't allow your player to go through adversity, they're never going to be able to handle um, when they have to go face a Max Scherzer and, and and their babies at home with the flu. And mom doesn't. I mean, those are the things that the upper levels bring the reality of this game to you. It is a job and it's a grind. And if you've never let your young player face any adversity, they're never going to be able to handle these situations. To say nothing of a story, and those of us who remember uh, remember it very, very well all the time, of Roy Oswald, who was coming in from Gastonia for a one-shot outing just to supposedly coming in to, to pitch one night for the Round Rock Express. That one night, he makes the most of it. He strikes out 15. They're like, uh, we don't need you to use the back end of your Southwest Airlines return ticket to Charlotte. We that was Nolan. Keep you here. Nolan said he's not going back. <laughs> I was with Houston when we signed Roy. Uh, uh-huh. Dr., Dr. James Farah, who was a longtime head coach at Centenary College yeah. in Louisiana, uh, uh, signed Roy. And, I mean, when – when we worked him out at, I want to say Meridian, Mississippi Junior College, uh-huh. he was literally like two feet in front of a wood rubber on a flat mound. It was all like step and go, just ar- pure arm strength. And again, a grinder that saw baseball as a vehicle to provide for his family and one of the most fierce competitors you will ever meet. But Nolan had a big deal on that night. I think he struck out 14, and Nolan's like, he's not going back. <laughs> Keep him here. <laughs> All right. Uh, Gene Watson is with us for the program. Uh, coming up, we do have Inconceivable. Uh, so we'll get to that, and we'll continue with Light the Tower. Here on the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app at hornfm.com. Inconceivable. 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 You keep using the Horn. I don't think it means what you think it means. All right. Uh, first of all, to CB, who asked the question, did knows Walt change the pronunciation of his last name? No, he did not. He got everybody else to understand it was pronounced Oswalt, not Oswalt, because it looks like Oswalt. And I'll never forget that, you know, Mike Capps and I call him the game, the Round Rock Express game, it was Oswalt. People called him Oswalt all the way till he got to the bigs. And it was his grandmother in Mississippi said, you want to tell people how we pronounce our name? And Roy said, well, it's actually, it's Oswald. Because, you know, I mean, he was, he was not a man of, of incredible uh, verbosity. He didn't, he didn't. He didn't say boo to anybody. <laughs> so <laughs> so it, 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 it took that. Uh, it took his grandmother saying, will you please educate people on how we pronounce our name? And so that's, that's where it was. He didn't change it. It wasn't like Tony Dorsett changed it to Tony Dorsett. No, he, he was always Oswald. He just needed to get everybody else uh, clear on that. Okay, a uh, couple of things here on Inconceal. First of all, uh, the unfortunate news, and we haven't heard anything further, but uh, it's ex- they're expecting and fearing the worst now for the submersible. They're the missing uh, Titanic subsearch. Uh, they're at the uh, bottom of the North Atlantic because they have gone beyond what would be the oxygen deadline, supposedly, uh, when it was going to run out. They're still... They're in search, but it might be more of search and recovery as opposed to um, search and rescue at this point. Uh, so we'll we'll hear. There's, the search is still underway. You know, uh, last night, uh, nearly 100 concert goers were hurt by golf ball-sized hail before they got the show fully underway. This, is, this was at the Red Rocks Amphitheater. That's in yeah. Colorado. Yeah. Great venue. Uh, so, uh, so have you been there before? Have you I seen have that? not, but I've had a lot of friends go, and I'm very envious of them. All right. Are you familiar with Louis Tomlinson? I'm not. Gino, are you familiar with Louis Tomlinson? 
Negative. Well, my daughter is certainly familiar with Louis Tomlinson. He's mm. a former member of One Direction. Okay, that explains why I have no idea who he is then. Okay. She says he's his. He's her favorite, even more so than Harry Styles. And uh, Zane? And Zane. Wow. Louis. Is that a hot take? Uh, maybe. I don't, you'd have to ask Julianne. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But an estimated 80 to 90 uh, people were treated for injuries at the venue, some of whom called 911 for their injuries. And uh, seven people were hospitalized. Injuries included cuts and broken bones, mm. golf ball size hail raining down on them. Welts, bruises that happened. It happened around uh, 10 15. Uh, one concert goer said she and friends have been taking shelter in a bathroom stall for more than an hour. Uh, Red Rocks gave notice about three to five minutes before it started raining Yikes. down on them. Uh, and another concert goer said she had trouble exiting the venue because the stairs were washed out. Uh, and so they, were, they had big welts all over them. Uh, two 16-year-old girls used a trash can for protection as well. Uh, and apparently Louis Tomlinson uh, 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 expressed his regrets and hoped everybody was okay. He he didn't never made it on stage uh, with the deal because of that. So that was probably a good thing. Because a lot of times, even if it's raining, they'll still go on with the show, right? It's kind of yeah. part of the Red Rocks experience. Yeah, like Gene's got a, he's got some video of it. That's, oh man, that's pretty serious stuff, Gino. <laughs> Look at it. That I was one time in a severe thunderstorm with Blake Shelton on stage, really? and I was stage left, and it was in in Boston Gillette Stadium, and it was raining sideways. Wow! And Blake just kept on playing. No big just deal. Just kept going. Lynn and I uh, saw Billy Joel at Fenway Park. A couple of years ago, and it rained, but it was a soft rain for a while, so it was no big deal. We got we got ponchos, and uh, you know that was right. that was okay. You do that, but man, that's that's kind of scary uh, there. Um, okay, um, all right. Uh, CB, our, our man CB, who kind of keeps us up there. And, and by the way, uh, he said there's some breaking news: a debris field has been found near the Titanic. So uh, we'll see if anything comes of that uh cb pay attention california california is no longer america's most expensive state for gasoline mm. to go to the gas pump yep cb it's where you currently live washington state the average cost of regular gasoline in washington listen up those of you who are getting ready to go on vacation and drive <clears throat> that would include me uh, uh starting tomorrow evening but uh drivers in the state of washington unfortunately are having to mark the official start of summer with america's most expensive gas prices the average cost of regular gasoline in washington state has jumped by 32 cents over the past month get this this the average cost of a gallon of gas in Washington State is four dollars and ninety-two cents. That's like two bucks a gallon more than where you can find it in the Austin area. I went uh. by a Costco the other day and I got and I think I was getting it for two ninety-four yeah. a gallon. It's four ninety-two a gallon in uh, in Washington State. So thoughts and prayers to CB. Yeah, His CB, wallet. just uh, you know understand what you're dealing with there. Um, get okay. a bike. I got a couple of food items because. Gene and I, if you talk to Gene and me or look at Gene and me, you can tell we like food. You notice how I just perked up in my chair when you said that? Well, see if you perk up about this, Gino. Uh, the latest, uh, you know, street food is a big thing. You know, people like street tacos and street food and stuff like that. The latest uh, street food fad in China are stir-fried Really good tasting <clears throat> stones, rocks, stones. Uh, it's called uh -huh. the yeah. It's called the world's hardest dish. You think? <laughs> All right. So here's how this works. Um, they're supposedly it's called. I think it's called suodio, and uh, it is a traditional stir fry. Uh, with the key ingredient then being ladled over the top of stones 
So what you say, well, you can't eat the rocks. It would tear you up inside. Patrons are supposed to suck on the small rocks like you would like a hard candy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you get this rich and spicy flavor of the dish. It originated in the eastern Chinese province of Hubei. Uh, they're instructed to suck off the flavors and spit out the rocks. He- hence the dish's name, suadiu, which means suck and dispose. That's, that's, what, that's what I do with M M&M and peanuts. <laughs> yeah. Same thing. Yeah. So. so that so that's that's what it's like. So that's supposedly um, there's sounds that. like crawfish to me and crawfish. Oh yeah, yeah. way too much work. Suck the heads and way then yeah, too all much that work. kind of stuff. Now, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pass. Okay. All right. Um, you're a meat lover like I am. Yes. How would you feel about eating some meat that tasted really good to you, chicken, and then told it's made in a lab? It's not a I'm not chicken. so sure it's, that hasn't it's... already happened to me, Craig. Uh, <laughs> all right. Lab-grown meat has been cleared for sale in the United States. Oh, great. Uh, Upside Foods and Good Meat, two companies that make what they call cultivated chicken, air quotes being put there, said yesterday they've gotten approval from the U.S. Department of Agriculture to start producing cell-based proteins. Good Meat, which is owned by Plant which is owned by plant-based egg substitute maker Eat Just, said that production is starting immediately. Cultivated or lab-grown meat in a giant vat, kind of like what you'd find in a in a brewery, like a microbrewery or something mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. that sort of deal. So, uh, yeah, get ready for sucking on rocks and lab meat. It's the future yes, of high-end dining now. That's going to be a hard pass for me. I wondered. I wondered if you were going to be on board with any of that. And they'll charge you like twenty-five bucks a dish for it too. Yeah. So there's that. Uh, All right. Coming up uh, next hour, uh, Gene Watson. We'll talk some current Major League Baseball. We talk developmental baseball first hour. We'll talk about some current one. Uh, Talk about those Texas Rangers and Houston Astros and the Stars of the game and the the people on whom to keep an eye. And we'll get to some other topics as well, of course, as always, uh, there on the Specs text line. Oh, did I mention we were giving away a copy of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine? Yeah, right now, fourth caller. Right now, fourth caller, 512-447-3776. 512-447-3776. If you want to win a brand-new copy of the 2023 edition of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine. We'll give it away. If you don't win on this show, all the way up, we give away one copy a day through August 25th. You can win online at hornfm.com starting Monday. Hour number two, up next.